Hello, everybody, and welcome to Scholars at Play, a podcast dedicated to the critical discussion of games and their place in society and the academy. My name is Derek Price, and I am joined, as always, by Kyle Romero. Hello. And Terrell Taylor. Yo. We're back for another What's in Your System? What is in your system? What is in your system? So today is the 1st of February, 2018. What do we do in this podcast, Terrell? What do we do in this podcast? <laughs> what, do we, what do we do, Derek, in, what's in this it, podcast? I'm glad you asked, Kyle. Um, in What's in Your System, we talk about things that we're playing, things that we're listening to, things that we're watching, uh, things we've read, uh, you know, anything that we're sort of experiencing in relation to games. Uh, it's sort of a, just like a check-in for like what we've been up to. Um, I'm going to start first with a, with a couple things. I So we've we did our New Year's episodes in mid-January, so I was still kind of looking at some stuff for that um, pretty much up until that recording. So I haven't played too many new things. There's a couple, couple things I want to mention. I'm just going to say that I'm just still playing PUBG. And I'm just like still doing it. We know. Everyone Derek, knows. We all love you and care about you. <laughs> That's why we've and invited you this here This is today. an intervention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, Derek, let's record a podcast. Yeah, come let's on over. Let's all come to, to, the, to, the, to the Curb Center and record this Podcast. Yeah, this is important. Yeah, we, you should be. That's there. why the banners here. All of your friends <laughs> and family are also in this room. They're oh very gosh, quiet. Wow, yeah, they but they're are. all in this room. You yeah. didn't notice. I was so I was really busy setting up the audio equipment, so I was yeah. I didn't even notice that my entire family is here. Uh, it's it's good. It's I was gonna say it's great, but it's good. It is it is great. <laughs> None of this matters. I'm gonna cut most of this. I'm still playing PUBG, and I'm having fun with it. <laughs> um, I also and and you know I, I'm not going to talk too much about this. Kyle's going to talk about it a good bit. I'm finally into Stardew Valley. Woo! Uh, I got it for the Switch, and as I thought, the big thing that was holding me back from from really enjoying that game was just like being able to physically relax while I played that game. Because um, like I have like a desk chair and a desk where my laptop or computer sits, and um, I don't know I just never felt like I was chilling. But when I can like sit on the couch or even in bed and just like have the switch in my hands or like play with it on the TV instead of on a comfy chair. It just like totally changes the, the, the length of time I'm willing to put in. And I finally got past that little hump and I was like, Oh, I get it. I get what the loop is. So I'm enjoying Stardew Valley. It's very nice. The music is great. I love the little graphics. I have a cat now. Uh, I think his name is like Nuffers or something like that. Oh dude. Yeah. I got Wombus the dog. <laughs> Wombus is my hero. Wombus is fantastic. It is. Could you, so it was just like you could only randomize the names. Oh, you could write them in. You can write them yeah, in? Yeah, I mean, on the, I have it on PC. I yeah. feel like maybe I could have too. I just didn't. It's yeah. just, just like I a mean, all the random thing. names are gold. So yeah. So like I've kept a lot of, like Pritzy the cow. What? <laughs> Nippers the cow? Nippers. I was like, that's definitely happening. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, yeah, so I'm liking Stardew Valley. It's very chill. Um. I like it a lot. There's something very wrong about Nippers. The Nippers. Cow. It was weird, Nippers, right? That it came up automatically. The weirdness is what is yeah. what makes it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Cool. So I'm playing that. Um, and the thing that I that, that's you know most noteworthy, I think, the thing that's taken up uh, a good bit of some of my free time is I've been playing Dream Daddy. As I I didn't think I'd actually get to it so quickly, but uh, my girlfriend Sophia. Uh, listen to our Game of the Year podcast. Yeah, that's right. I have a girlfriend. <laughs> Brag. <laughs> and uh, and she said, I really want to play Dream Daddy. That sounds awesome. I was like, okay, let's do it. So um, we've been playing that together. 
And it's been really fun. I mean, I think it's just always fun to play games with other people, like physically in the same room, even if you're not physically in the same room, like just over the internet. It's, that makes even mediocre games get uh, are really good at that. This and is this Derek's one plea for friends <laughs> among, <laughs> among our listeners. So if you Derek just needs someone to play me. with him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so we've been playing this as sort of like a couch thing, sitting on the couch, and and Sophia's kind of like clicking around and doing stuff, but we're making the decisions together and all that stuff. So um, it's it's really interesting because a couple of things have stood out to me. One is the, as has been said by many people, the writing's really great. It has a real style to it and the- Do you want to explain what Yeah, I should probably set the game up. So you're a, you're a dad and you have a daughter and she's a, high, she's a senior in high school and you've just moved to a new house, which is actually relatively close to apparently your old house. Um, you move into this cul-de-sac, and uh, you are just sort of dealing with some sort of, you know, you had a partner. You can choose to have had a, a wife or a, a husband uh, who passed away. And um, you basically just sort of deal with going through a sort of like, you know, sort of a, a moment of change in, uh, in, in, in your relationship with your daughter and to yourself and, like, where you're going from there. So... Um, the most of the game is sort of text. There's there's sort of some animation, like a sort of, not animation, but sort of like um, static pictures on screen of drawn people. And you'll have these text conversations. Um, so yeah, it's and it's a, it's a dating simulator. So this is like, there's a huge genre of these kinds of games. Uh, and they are a genre I've never touched before. It's it's never been something that appealed to me before, but this one seemed to be exceptional in, in some sort of way. And uh, and I gotta say I'm really enjoying it. Like the the dad, this dad has a personality. He's kind of corny. He's he's really interesting, and he has this close relationship with his daughter. But um, he's realizing that that's going to change soon. She's going off to college, and he's got to sort of figure out what his life is going to be. Uh, and and then you know through a series of like introductory events, you sort of meet a bunch of other dads in this neighborhood. They actually all live in the same cul-de-sac. Uh, and and there's you know there's not like a routine you don't like go to work those other dads like might have jobs but only in so far as it like serves to characterize them in a certain sense could you call it a cold dad sack cold dad sack you definitely <laughs> could if that pun isn't in the game at some point i'll be very disappointed uh kyle's fist pumping and like fist bumping imaginary yes. people who really liked that one everyone in the room loved it yeah my whole family For a few, his whole all the price right. household yeah. Yeah. loved that joke um Charles just shakes his head, <laughs> as he should. That's most of our dynamic. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so it, it's it's really interesting, and the dads are some good dads. There's some good dads. Um, Sophia is really invested in one of the dads named Matt, and Matt is this. Uh, he's this black guy. He's got like tatted up. He's like really into music and like uh, baking, and he owns a coffee shop, uh, and he's just sort of like a bit fumbly and like awkward and it's really endearing uh and he's he's a good dad i also like matt there's also like they have part of like the interesting part of this game is like as a as a guy who is like has been straight white male for his whole life uh i am realizing that there are like male types that i didn't see as like a type that's like attractive to someone right so there's like a there's a oh sorry there's like a teacher dad who's kind of a dick and I was like why is this guy being such a dick like why is he being so condescending to this other dad and then I turned to Sophia I was like wait that 
that's something that a lot of people actually really like. And she's like, yeah, for sure. I was like, oh, oh, I get it. Yeah. Uh, so, so like, it's been interesting to sort of see, like, how, like, there's only seven, I think there's seven different dads you can date. Um, it's been interesting to see, like, what kind of archetypes are elevated in that sort of selection. Um, so, so that's been cool. Uh, yeah, I think... I think the game just does a great job of, of thinking through not just sexual relationships, but just relationships in general. Like the way the men are portrayed, they, they're all dads. I think they're all dads. I, I haven't met the children of some of the men yet, but I think some of, I think they're all dads. It's called Dream Daddy. Um, and like they spend like a considerable amount of time just talking about like what it means to be a father, what it means to like have how to, how to relate to your kids. And it's like, uh, uh, you know, Sophia sort of had this point. We were talking about it while we were playing. It's like, if you saw, if you see women, like, you know, in the world or like sometimes even represented in media, like they come together and they just talk about being moms or they talk about having children or they talk about, like, this is like a stereotype and a trope that, that occurs both in media and just in real life. Like the expectation is that you'll talk about your kids and being a mom. Whereas Sophia's point was just like, Actually, you just don't get to see like men talking about being fathers as much in media, and it's cool to see like these guys negotiating what fatherhood means. Um, so not only is it, not only are there some hot dads, they are. It's re- it's a really interesting way to sort of work through male friendship and male relationships, uh, and sort of at that father older level. It's cool. It's a really it's a really fascinating game. Um, and I, I've already, like, we've already gotten some situations where, this is my last point, where we wanted to maybe endear ourselves to someone and just kind of said the wrong thing. Like, the, the writing is great such that, like, there are scripted sequences in the moments where you get to choose a line. And the lines are, like, not always so obvious, like, what they're going to mean. And that's actually been kind of fun because you, like, think this is going to be the flirty one and it actually, like, puts him off where you say this thing that you thought was going to be neutral and it actually did something for that dad. And I don't know. I just, I like that as a sort of procedural metaphor for how real relationships work where you're like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to, I'm coming on smooth right now. And then you're like, Oh, they did not vibe with that at all. That was not what they wanted to hear. They do not, they're not into that at all. And it's cool to see, like, I, I know like from listening to people talk about this game, that you can, like, fail to be in a relationship with one of these dads. Like, you can pursue them and you can do your best, but there's no guarantee that you're going to make all the quote-unquote right decisions to, like, get to that ending that you want, right? So I kind of like that that's up in the air a little bit. I like that as a, as, a, as a choice in the writing. So that is Dream Daddy, and that's, uh, along with Stardew Valley and PUBG, that's what's in my system. So, uh, Kyle, <laughs> what's in your system? Yeah, uh, well, Derek blew up my spot and took my thing. But yeah, it's Stardew Valley that I've been planning to talk about for the past two and a half weeks. Um, yeah, so that's that's been in my system pretty exclusively, uh, almost frighteningly exclusively. <laughs> I we think... got to get your blood levels checked for Stardew Valley. Yeah, over if, if you go on my Steam account, you might see like 94 hours played oh God, in intense. 2018. <laughs> and it's February yeah. of 2018. February 1st, For those mind of you, you counting at home. Yeah, so oh most God, of this like, yeah. uh, massive amount of time input came. Uh, there was some snow in Nashville, like an inch, and therefore the entire city 
lost its collective mind. Yeah. And the entire city shut down for like five days. It was kind of nice. So even it was great. It It was wonderful. Um, And so my wife was off of work. I was off of work as well. I also just didn't feel like working. So that that was great. Um, Don't listen to this, my advisor, my (laughs) dissertation committee. Um, I did lots of work. Anyway, um, so my wife and I were home for five days in a row. We had both just discovered Stardew Valley. I have to actually have to thank Derek for this because I had bought Stardew Valley about a year ago mm-hmm. along with every other freaking game in my Steam <laughs> library that I only play six of. Right. I have like over 100 games and I think I play like eight on, on right. the regular, you know. Right. And Derek said, uh, yeah, I really want to, in our game of the year, he said, I really want to get into Stardew Valley in 2018. And I was like, hey, I own that game, <laughs> and I should probably play it. That Keep I probably bought shot. for like seventy-four cents, you know, right. like a bundle last <laughs> on year on a preposterous um, sale. Yeah, and wow, I am really blown away by it. I think it's an amazing game. So this is, of course, uh, Stardew Valley was released in twenty sixteen. Um, it recently got ported to the Switch, which is I think it's already sold like four hundred thousand copies or something on the Switch. Like wow, huge amount. Yeah, it sold over three point five million copies total. Which is astonishing is they said it was one of the, the, the top 30 selling games on Steam in 2016, um, which is kind of amazing because uh, and it was developed by Concerned Ape, who is Eric Barone, uh, single-handedly by this guy, Eric Barone, um, published by Chucklefish, uh, which also published like Starbound, um, games oh, like that. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and so the game at its core is basically like a resource management and building simulator Kind of like uh, and, far- and like farming, too, farming right? simulator. Yeah, yeah. I, I like building. I guess was kind of in that mode, but yeah, farming simulator, right. kind of like uh, Animal Crossing or Terraria or Minecraft Harvest, in terms of Harvest Moon. Harvest Moon is, is the, the clear biggest. inspiration. Yeah, um, but that's like an N sixty four game from like twelve years ago. Be, so oh my god, maybe that is too deep of a years cut. Ago. <laughs> oh wow, I don't know why I think it came out before that. It was a long time ago. There was I mean, there were different older versions. Of I mean, twelve years ago was nineteen ninety, right? So. That's right, because uh, it's only two thousand and two, right? Nineteen ninety? No, 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 no. It's twenty eighth. Wait, what? I was, I'm just like, because time passes and it's terrible. It's another failed joke. Y'all just real <laughs> Yeah, this is a really good joke. Everyone at home and all of Derek's family were loving that joke. Roll to see if I got it. No, critical miss. Yeah, critical miss. <laughs> um, yeah, and so it is kind of in the mold of more recent games like Minecraft, Terraria, or Animal Crossing in terms of like. Managing your time, your energy, your building, your resources in order to kind of like build stuff, right? Um, but it kind of has a, a different aesthetic, I think, and a very intentional aesthetic developed by Concerned Ape, um, which I'm going to call him instead of Eric Barone because Concerned Ape is a way better name. It's a great name. Um, it's it's built with a very like idyllic pastoral aesthetic focused on like relaxation, on getting away from the troubles of everyday life. The game even opens. No, no spoilers, this is the first five minutes of the game, but yeah. it opens with a you receiving a letter from your grandfather who's uh, ill, and he says, like, if you ever need to get away from, like, the kind of, gr- like, the toil and the, the, like, grudging, you know, work of everyday life mm-hmm. in, like, you know, the urban, this kind of, like, vague urban space, um, open this letter. And you open the letter, and it says, I know things are hard for you, and, like, things are really hard, but... Um, there's always a way to get out of this. And that solution is to go to Stardew Valley and, like, work on your farm and kind of live this pastoral, very, like, Tolkien-esque, you know, like, living <laughs> in the countryside yeah. life. Yeah. Um, but it is beautiful. And, yeah. you know, it's, the graphics are very retro, like, 64-bit looking, you know, just like it'd be on an N64 or something. Very well done. Um, so 
It's great. Everyone should play it. That's that. But the kind of thing <laughs> that I want to talk about is a, a tension that I've been observing in my own gameplay um, while I'm playing it and in some stuff I've read online about the game, which I'm tentatively calling, like, the difference between playing a game and mastering a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and where mastery intersects with things like gamification, um, and, or, like, which I mean in this sense is, like, promoting acquisition, like, like fundamental primitive acquisition as your primary goal, as opposed to, like, the experience of enjoying the game. I'm not sure if that's exactly what gamification means, but that's kind of in this sense. That's that's in line with it, with exactly what Patrick Jagoda, shout yeah. out to Patrick Jagoda, uh, who, who gave a little talk yesterday. He was talking a lot about gamification. That's yeah. right in line with it. Okay, and so th- this tension, I think, was best reflected in my way of playing the game versus my wife's way of playing the game. Yeah, I got a wife. What's <laughs> <laughs> We know about your wife, Kyle. Uh, um, so She's great. Kate's great. Kate is great. And so we would both we we play the game, you know, side by side on our computers. It's great. Um and I would play the game like I play most games, which I focused at least in the early part about like, okay, what can I do? How do I do this? I would sometimes look up walkthroughs to make sure like I don't want to miss any parts of the game, like uh, a big part of the game is making relationships with people. And um, I guess kind of similar to Dream Daddy in the way. These are all kind of like sometimes complex. A lot of times just turn into like, can you give them enough pumpkins for them to love you? You know, uh, but they all have like character traits and things that they like and don't like. And you have to kind of be aware of that. And there's like 30 characters in the game. You have to remember all this for. And I would be like, okay, um, does Abigail like pumpkins or this thing? And, like, when should I talk to her, like, certain times of day in order to, like, maximize friendship points, right? <laughs> and I turn to Kate, and, and she's just, like, just, like, farming up her little farm, like, enjoying it and being like, I'm going to go explore this part of the valley and see what's up there. And I'm like, I haven't even been there because I've been focusing on, like, maximizing profit, you know? <laughs> um, and this is all – and I, I tried to resist that because I think the game is very intentional. And Eric Barone, Concerned Ape, has said several times he was very intentional about creating the game – to try to resist that type of approach, the approach of like maximizing profit, yeah, pr- promoting acquisition as your soul, as the kind of the sole impulse of the game, mm-hmm. and this was no better reflected, I think, than in a quote in the IGN walkthrough for Stardew oh, Valley, okay, which starts <laughs> with this quote saying, "No matter what season or point in the game, your ultimate goal will always be working on your farm to earn more gold, to buy more things, so that you can earn more gold." Right, <laughs> right. So that's the, that's the, like for me that is perfectly representative of the like mastery approach. That like yep. the goal of a game is always to like maximize your accumulation. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that's something that I think concerned ape himself would say. No, that's not the point of my game. Right, it's something right, else. Right. Um, and so I think that kind of like reflective reinstantiation of gamification, like always approaching games in such a way towards accumulating and uh, acquiring as opposed to maybe following the kind of nuances of a game that are more towards uh, reflecting on your life, uh, on relaxation, on enjoying the experience is something that I think is a real big tension in Stardew Valley and probably games as a whole, especially as we talked about in our Game of the Year podcast, It games that are now trying to induce more money out of people. Right. right, games that are trying to bring money more into gaming through microtransactions, loot boxes, which are the same thing. Um, you know, all these kind of small pay things. Um, that that tension between the experience of a game being enjoyable versus the maximizing of the profit, or maximizing of like 
your goals in the game mm -hmm. could be attention that would reflect really on like how much money people spend on things or rather if a developer were to say like to fully enjoy this experience of a game you need to participate in microtransactions right mm -hmm. that's something that i'm not particularly cool with and so uh yeah i've just been reflecting on that a lot clearly i have no conclusions about this from the nonsense like word salad <laughs> that just came out no. uh, um but yeah i think it was a game that really like stoked those ideas up for me um and just too reflected to me how people can just have different approaches to games, you know, and how maybe I want to be more like my wife in a lot of ways. Uh, but in in this game of like trying to enjoy the experience, but at, at my core, I am still kind of like a gamer fo focused on like I must win, you know, yeah. a game that has no win state, you know, that has no objective goals other than enjoy yourself and enjoy the experience and live your life and be happy, you know. So, yeah. Cool. Stardew Valley. I, I I know like I have friends who've who've played Stardew Valley a lot like who really got into it some of Sophia's good friends, um, who's who've struggled with exactly that tension right they they love the sort of loop of the game that sort of like plant or fish or go in the caves and hunt or do yep. whatever, you know, get your loot sell it get your plants sell it wake up build more stuff, um, and part of why I'm really enjoying Dream Daddy is because a lot of the work it does is textual mm. and it's not easily quantifiable. Mm. And so uh, that's kind of why I'm enjoying it as a break. It's like, I can't have that tension because it's really like less. Now, I, I don't know how the dad book thing is going to play out. Maybe you do end up having like a rank with each dad or something like that. But, you know, it sort of resists a little bit of that quantification. Yeah. Although I bet there are like, you know, walkthroughs and stuff. That oh, say, for sure. Like, you know, if you choose option D, that'll give you plus 35 friendship units you know that'll count towards when you reach a thousand you can date them right like right because that's how games work right exactly. games are procedural They're, so like they, they literally there is some meter or, or yeah you know counter that's going up when i do that yeah. i guess like actually the the experience of playing with sophia on one computer is preventing me from like looking that stuff up yeah and with stardew valley i'm also like actively trying to avoid looking up those guides for yeah. the first time i was like how do i get to this flower dance in the spring because it like didn't know where it was yeah you go so, to the bottom left go to <laughs> Tom knows it's up that was the first go thing by, I looked go up go by Marnie's ranch right. and then to the left past the guy who sells hats and then you can find it guy who sells hats oh you found the cat who sells hats no the hat cat oh man <laughs> I want a hat now alright yeah. well in, in any case yeah I'm, I'm trying to avoid those those as much as I can um, I will just be your like mobile walk I'll just like just, if like, I me, really like, get stuck Kyle what do like, I do Kyle, what do I do yeah. Cool. But I think it is interesting that we both kind of are reflecting on games that in a way are I think intentionally trying to resist the procedural nature yeah. of games and Absolutely. to what extent that succeeds I yeah. think is up for debate but for that sure. it's an interesting interesting thing that's happening in gaming. For sure. So, so Terrell, what's in your system? I'm glad you asked, Kyle. You see, for a number of reasons, <laughs> I've been playing a whole lot of games recently. Um, one of which has been because I've been ever so carefully studying for my comprehensive exams I'll Boom. take over very spring break. Important. Yes, my committee can listen to that. Stuff it, Kyle. <laughs> I work very hard some days of the week. <laughs> um, that checks out. <laughs> I've been watching a number of things um, lately, and somewhat ashamedly I went through another sort of, uh, I'm almost done with my second watch through of 13 Reasons Why. Just something that we've talked about, um, not on the podcast before, yeah. but among ourselves. Yeah. And, yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe you'll get a blog in the future. I know I okay. owe y'all a bunch of blogs. <laughs> don't worry. They're coming. Yeah. 
not here when you want them, but they're always on time. <laughs> yep. Um, they're there when they're needed. Exactly. Much like exactly. a wizard. Yes. <laughs> here I am. Never late. Only when he needs Never to. Never early. Yeah. Exactly. Only when Mr. he needs wizard. to. Mr. Wizard. Precisely. I'm Mr. Wizard Gandalf from... Star Wars, yeah. <laughs> From the, I did accidentally combine the Dark Knight, like he's needed, but with the Gandalf the Wizard, because he arrives only when he needs to. It's a melange of pop culture nerds yes. right now, but yeah. he's the wizard. He's that's a wizard always on time. It's the wizard that we want or that we deserve, but he's the wizard we need. And he's also, the wizard we need, and he's and we invincible, need and also Jesus. <laughs> You totally George Bush that. <laughs> Fool me once, wizard, and you're Gandalf the Grey. Fool me twice and fight a Balrog, and you're Gandalf. You the never Grey. get fooled again. You never. You won't There's get no more fooled wizards. again. Yeah, you won't get fooled again. Okay. okay. Um. So, one of the things I've been watching, um, or a YouTube channel that I sort of discovered and been kind of falling through. Um, I think the gentleman who runs it or produces it is called, his name is Dan Olson. And oh, the yeah. channel is Folding Ideas. Um, he has a number of videos on video games, but he also has some things on movies. He has a pretty hilarious take on um, The uh, Last Airbender, which is like, wow, that's all the reasons the, why I didn't like it, and you have captured them. I didn't know <laughs> why I didn't like it. Yeah. False. But like either way, it was still enjoyable to see like, hey, just in case you needed confirmation of your feelings about that movie, here yeah, you go. It's trash. Yes. I think everyone agreed. Exactly. Um, but to go through like the cinemagraphic reasons, that's not a word. Cinematography? The sure. Cinematographic. The film-based reasons as yes. to why that that film sucks. Uh, that was kind of cool. Um, he has some interesting things that are, where he's going through the movie Rent and breaking that down from a kind of film studies perspective. And I found that interesting because it sort of made me realize, it's like, wow, that was a movie that I was actually really into at a certain point in time, but it uh, is not good for a number of reasons mm. that I guess 17-year-old mm. me was never critical of. Yeah. yeah, And I appreciated what he did there, but it also made me think in a number of ways about other things or other games that have come out more recently, particularly Wolfenstein 2, which we've mm. had some conversations about here and there, and... I didn't play it, but I did watch <laughs> the the movie. The supercut. Yes, yeah. the supercut of um, Wolfenstein 2. And perhaps that's something we can hash some thoughts out at some point in time. I mean, uh, it's good that he talked about Rent, because the time for that is no day but today. <laughs> one clap. You get one clap for that one. Just one. I mean, how do you measure measure a year? Five hundred twenty-five thousand six hundred million shakes. <laughs> wow, I he, cra- he, he broke me. Like, I, was, I was not going to give him any puns this entire recording. Yeah, but he broke me. I, I'm, I'm killing I'm it. Dead. I am the dream daddy. <laughs> I am dead inside. That is what I am. I feel like this podcast is just like a witness to the slow erosion of Terrell's faith in humanity caused yeah. by me. Yeah, that's, the, that's one of the subplots. My destruction of Terrell's yeah. like joy and yeah. inner happiness by yeah. my relentless idiocy and punning. Well. If it makes you feel better, Kyle, you've succeeded. The, <laughs> the, the civilization or the people or the society that was once Terrell Taylor is now in ashes. <laughs> and something will be reborn 
from those ashes, just as we had to collect the canons of books of what was truly considered culture from ancient civilizations and then teach the world anew, we mm. will teach Terrell anew. Yes, and beautiful. on the horizon, I will be playing, not Horizon Zero Dawn, but hey. although I do need to finish that uh, <laughs> DLC, uh, but playing the game Persona 5 in some more detail, getting ready for hopefully an episode yeah. later this year yeah, on that. for sure. Yeah. Um, and a game that Helen Shin, um, professor in English over... Uh, here at Vanderbilt University, uh, is sort of wants me to play for a number of reasons called Soma, um, and looking forward to playing that as well. Uh, I've also been wanting to play the game Celeste uh, that came out recently, um, and hopefully I'll start getting on that soon. But the thing that I really want to take a deep dive in on today, on today, jeez, um, <laughs> the thing I want to take a deep dive for this episode is the game uh, Getting Over It with Bennett Foddy. Mm. And full disclosure, I watched Errant Signal's video on it last night and thought it was interesting. And in thinking about, huh, what do I really want to talk about today? I was like, you know, let's give this a shot, right? Because it looked kind of interesting. And it cost me eight bucks. I was able to download it in a coffee shop. And I just played it over on JJ's near West End, for those of you who are familiar with the Vanderbilt campus. And let me just say, I, I could have got two cups of coffee with that $8, but man, those two coupes of coffee was would not have made me feel as alive. <laughs> now, Aaron Signal talks about this. Now, I should probably summarize the game a little bit. Yeah, like, what is what is getting over it? Man, this is so weird because unlike all the other games I think we've talked about to this point, the talking about this game is only going to make it sound more absurd. Yeah. So it it's a man in a, in a pot. It's kind of like a man... In a cauldron, almost like he's like getting cooked. Yeah. Uh, and so it's only him from the sort of chest up, and he's got his arms, and he has what looks to be a sledgehammer, maybe sure. a pickaxe, because it does have the capacity to stick into things. Yeah. And you control the tip of it, I believe, with the mouse, and all types of weird. Uh, goat simulator physics just make it an absolutely absurd. And so I've, I've watched a couple of videos or watched the video and a few other things with it you know, on YouTube. And I was like, okay, this obviously looks hard to control. But it wasn't until I finally downloaded the game, started a new game, and then moved my mouse an inch and saw that the hammer did all types of wacky things. And I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Mm -hmm. Like, this is, I'm supposed to get to the top of the mountain with these controls? This is ridiculous. And the thing that Aaron Signal really foregrounds in his video is that it's that kind of ridiculousness that imposes a kind of pain because you're supposed to be able, or frustration rather, he gets the pain and punishment later, but the frustration of being able to beat the game, or there's a sense that the game can be beaten, but it's extremely hard to do so with those controls. And I have to say that there's something about me, and I've been thinking about this for a number of reasons, in part because in the world of policy debate, and I hear this from some of my friends who... Uh, I used to coach policy debate, and some of my friends still do. Uh, there's an ongoing conversation about the nature of fairness and whether or not fairness is an intrinsic good unto itself or fairness is always the kind of means to an end, right? We want things to be fair because fairness means that we can achieve some other reasonable goal, right? Like if a game is fair, that means everybody has a chance to play it. If a game is fair, it means this is the other. Or is the game being fair in and of itself value in and of itself? And I mean, the question of whether or not Bennett Foddy's game, getting over it, 
is fair hmm. is, I mean, I suppose so. You know, it's got a set of mechanics. It's got a set of rules, and you can do it. Is it predictable? Is it what you've practiced to do? Is it in line with everything that you've ever touched before? Probably not. It is counterintuitive, and the counterintuitive part of it is probably less than fair. But I guess rather than seeing that unfairness and using it as a sort of pivot point to frustration, for me, yeah, because I did have some pretty serious setbacks, and one of the things about the game is that I think it's Bennett Foddy's voice that whenever you have a big setback, it kind of comes in and says, oh, that was bad. <laughs> Hang in there. Yeah. And there's even a moment really early on where he's like, if you're having a bad day, might not be the game you want to play. Step back, quit, yeah. come back, I'll still be here. Yeah. Don't worry about it, dude. Yeah. Do not worry about it. And I, there's a part of me that's wondering, and I think that Errant Signal partly presumes this too, that that's supposed to like get under your skin. It's like, no, I'm going to win. I'm going to beat this. And there's like a part of me that's like, nah, I'm a graduate student. If I spend all day like trying to read through some French theorist that thinks he's like, you know, onto something, and then I'm just like done with it. It's like, yeah, no, this is not what I'm picking up. Right, so I'm like, yeah, I appreciate that. Like, I guess I take him on face value. Yeah. Um, and then whenever I have a big setback, it was it's just kind of hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whereas like the game is acknowledging your your like your this is up. ridiculous. Yeah. Right. yeah, Like wow, that just happened. <laughs> you know. Um, and it it just gets to the nature of competition play, and I think experiencing this in a number of different ways about why losing or failure isn't always synonymous or doesn't always imply frustration. And in part, I think, I wouldn't say it's entirely this because there's a lot of differences between uh, playing this game and this movie, but I feel almost as though failing or losing in this game, I typically have like the sort of feeling of uh, Paul Walker's character. For, his name was Brian in the first Fast and Furious. Brian, Dominic, Brian Connor. Brian Connor. Actually, his I, name was Brian Earl Spilner. Brian Connor was a cover. Is that right? Oh, yeah. shit. Oh, shit. Re-raise. Man, my Fast and the Furious knowledge. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Not um, so Fast and Furious anymore. <laughs> Brian. <laughs> um, oh, Brian. Yeah, Brian O'Connor. What's his real name? Brian Earl Spilner. Well, shit. <laughs> Sounds like a serial murderer. <laughs> well, that game goes to Terrell. You guys want to hear my Vin Diesel impression? Brian. <laughs> all about family. <laughs> Um, where he just, he's got this big old grin on his face after, you know, Toretto burns him on the track. And he's just, you know, Toretto's like, why are you smiling, dude? You lost. He's like, I almost had you. And then everyone's <laughs> just kind of laughing at him, but he's just still like grinning ear to ear, even though he got smoked. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's something about that, you know, sense of, wow, I was hanging in. And I, even Derek, you know, you and I were playing Cuphead once. Yeah. And I think we lost, but we got pretty far. And I was like, that was a good run. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at this game over the screen, but that was a really good run. So, I mean, thinking about the game in that sense, but also the fact that the game still has ways of playing it. And to get to this question, this is something that um, Patrick Jagoda, who came here yesterday, uh, talks a little bit about in terms of the sort of feeling of gameplay and um, at an affective level of intensity. There was a sort of sense of muscle memory with the mouse. You do get good at the game as you use it. The kind of weird leveling up that is akin to something like The Witness. Um, But it's almost oddly enough, and I don't think we've really developed the kind of way to talk about this in video game studies as we have with literary studies, Uh, but it's the kind of difference between a readerly versus a writerly text. The readerly text in literary studies is a text that 
facilitates the reader sort of reading it. It's kind of very straightforward. Whereas a writerly text is more the writer kind of excising some agency that makes it much more harder and forces the reader to do some work. Um, getting over Bennett Flatty is definitely more of a quote unquote writerly text or designerly text, perhaps. Yeah. I don't know if that's the word we want to use yeah. and, or if we should be in the business of inventing video games. Yeah. That's terminology. <laughs> Yeah, um, we use it. Yeah, you know? we can yeah. just use it for now. Okay, yeah. so this designerly text, um, and I think that what it manages to achieve is that sense that you know there's something about the mechanics and player interaction with the mechanics that does something that maybe can infuse frustration, maybe facilitate frustration, but there's also something going on there that would be really, really hard to boil down to um, a walkthrough. I'm actually really curious. I haven't checked, but I'm. Really curious if GameFAQs has any walkthroughs or anything whatsoever. Mm. Probably not for an independent title, period, but could it be done? Like, it's almost an interesting experiment. Yeah. So it's kind of some esoteric ramblings that I have about the 15 minutes that I played this game that made me feel more alive than I can last remember. And God, my life is sad. <laughs> You're welcome. But for eight bucks. <laughs> It's worth two cups of coffee at you, least. You lived again. Yes. <laughs> wow. Cool, cool. Unexpectedly dark ending. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I really want to check that out too. And that seems like one of those games you can actually like dip in, see, like really get the sense of how it plays pretty quickly. I, f- I feel like if you get stuck trying to like beat that game, which I mean, I don't know. That's, that's actually another part of it too, where I don't know. I <laughs> I, I do recall having this experience with the game Flip Cup, and it wasn't because I was at a party actually playing Flip Cup. Uh-huh. But so, as someone was mentioning, it was like, Flip Cup. I was like, what's that? And they just kind of pulled out a cup, and it's like, oh, yeah, you know, people drink, and then they do this. And I was like, oh, well, let me do it without the drinking part. It was like right. 2 o'clock in the, in the afternoon. There was no alcohol involved. <laughs> and I'm just sitting here trying to flip the cup, and I'm just like, wow, this is actually, like, trying to get the right. Get, like, the right like right touch, right angle. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah. there was just something compulsive. And someone was like, Thrust, stop. I'm like, no, no, no. I got this. I got this. I got this. And just, it was really hard to quit. The 15 minutes in which I played That's that game, fantastic. it was probably more like 30 minutes, but I don't know, something compulsive. It, it got to that dark part of the brain that so much of game feel and kinesthetics is about. So. Yeah. Man, I mean, PUBG is on my brain, but just retweet all of those feelings about PUBG. <laughs> it's, 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 it's surprising to hear like that. What you're describing is exactly what I think, part of what brings me back to PUBG all the time. Hmm. It is interesting that we all kind of talked about experiential the experience of game playing right yeah, like yeah, how yeah. That might be different yeah themes maybe themes we'll, emerged maybe it'll be a title kind of a thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget terrell um that another day we could go out tonight and dance the tango maureen <laughs> the fast and the furious quote no those are all those are all uh, songs from from rent <laughs> <laughs> that one i did not know i've not actually ever seen that movie oh really yeah well, apparently it sucks, from, I heard from Terrell. <laughs> it's like, I would recommend it, but it's bad. It is cinematographical, neurotologically yeah. dissonant, well, according <laughs> to Dan Olsen. Oh, is that, I watched, is that his term? Because I definitely watched it. I mean, it is based on a, a musical, right? So like a Broadway play. So I think there are clear, like it was not designed, the lyrics were not designed intentionally for mu- movies. This is all. Well, I mean, if, since we're on it, <laughs> the thing that like totally blew me away, and he goes through a very quick rundown of it. Apparently, from like a social justice perspective, it like foregrounds a really irresponsible attitude. Mm-hmm. Like there are a number of things that it celebrates that like 
hey, that's actually not okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I'm actually really interested to see the musical at some point. And maybe it's yeah. impossible to see it as it was prior to this because the musical was like, I think came out in 1991. Yeah. Um, and I have a feeling it being on Broadway, it being much closer to, I think, the kind of heat of the um, AIDS epidemic, yeah. it might have been a very different experience than watching sure. it, say, 2006, 2007. Sure. It's sure. a good point. Yeah. Okay, well, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for joining yes. us for another oh, What's in Your Oh, and make system. sure to read our posts on our website. Yeah, yeah. We've got uh, uh, a couple of... A uh, couple new posts. Game of the Year posts, and uh, going to be trying to put some more blog posts up there. So yeah. keep an eye out at uh, scholarsatplay.net. Feel if free you... to comment. Yeah. We want some well, comments. Well, not on that. There's actually no comments on the blog posts. Oh, there aren't? Yeah. I'm pretty sure there are. I'm almost sure I disabled them. Oh, well, If I didn't mind. disable them, I intended to. <laughs> <laughs> so don't comment. Never mind. We will come We don't you. want your comments. I want, I want the comments on Twitter or in email. Okay. Uh, mostly because I don't want to mess with moderating like the website. Yeah. It's yeah. like tricky. But um, if you do have questions, thoughts, comments, etc., you can send them to us at scholarsatplaypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can contact us at Twitter. Kyle, where can people find I'm you? I'm at E underscore Kyle underscore Romero. Terrell. Black Socrates. And I am digital underscore Derek. Uh, shout out and a thank you to Haystack and the Curb Center at Vanderbilt University and uh, Visitor for the use of his freely available song. Well, it might. it's not going to be the Plateau <laughs> it, at Night. Yep. You will have heard It'll and will be, be hearing song. something different. We're picking a little something different for the What's in Your System. So uh, shout out to Visitor. Thank you so much for letting us use your songs. Um, that's going to do it for us. We are going to be back in a couple of weeks with a sort of history. A special episode. Themed a episode. Secret a special secret special episode. I'll say no more. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it'll be Kyle's sort of taken point on this one. So I'm excited to sort of see where that one goes. We'll have a special. It'll crack. It'll Kyle's <laughs> podcast. Co-option <laughs> of uh, communication. Podcast. It'll almost definitely crash and burn and be totally unrecorded. So that's good. I think it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you later. Take care. Deuces. Deuces.